We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's silly. Uh, you already, we already know who the teams are. They're going to play. Uh, we know there's going to be the same amount of road and home games. And yet, it's funny because like over the over the last like couple of years, I've like the, so much of the shit that I used to get excited about as a fan. Like I just I, I just don't anymore. Um, this is one of those very silly things that I still get extremely excited about. I can't explain why, but I just like seeing the schedule. Knowing who they're going to play, when they're going to play, knowing when the back-to-backs are going to be, knowing um, if there's going to be a game on my wife's birthday, which there is. Thanks again, schedule makers. Fucking inconsiderate assholes. Um, But yeah, it's cool. It's nice to to have it laid out in front of us. Um, And I do still get excited about these days. And um, yeah, so today live stream i'll go through the schedule i don't think it's going to take that long although i do definitely have some thoughts on it uh because it is a doozy uh, in terms of how they line this thing up um and then you know i'll take questions from anybody i'll be on until uh you know about well i'll stay on for a while so if you guys whatever you guys want to talk, talk about a bead you want to talk about fiba i know rj's playing right now for team canada i know i'm a bad knicks fan that i'm not I'm not watching rj at the moment but um i like going through the schedule so what can i say I was a little selfish on my part. So, um, yeah, just like, I guess, first for anybody looking at the schedule and has some uh, is confused about the whole in-season tournament thing. Basically, long and the short of it is there are eight teams that will advance to the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. 22 teams don't. If you do, if your team, if like the Knicks didn't advance to the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament, they're still going to play two more games. They'll just play two games that haven't been scheduled yet against another team that doesn't advance to the quarterfinals. And obviously, if they do advance to the quarters, the, the quarters would count as another official game. If they get knocked out, they play another consolation game. If they win, they go to the semis, and that's their 82nd game. So for anybody who was confused about that, that's, that's the situation there. Um, I'm just going to start off with my first thought about the schedule, which is that, and I feel like this is, I don't know, maybe I'm imagining this. I feel like this has been a running theme. Uh, I look at the schedule, like last season, I remember looking at the schedule and I'm like, holy hell, they better win all three of those uh, early games. Like they had the opener against Memphis, 
And then they had three consecutive home games against uh, do I'll pull it up right now. I should know this off the top of my head. I know it was Detroit, Orlando and Charlotte. I was like, they better win all three of those games because holy hell did the next whatever it was three weeks or four weeks or so after that get really tough and sure as shit. They lost Memphis. They won all three of those games and they, I mean, what happened next over the, the next three weeks almost got their coach fired. So sometimes, you know, your, your fears are well-founded other times fears are not well-founded because the other part of the last season schedule that I looked at and I was like, Jesus Christ was the stretch from, um, it was a stretch that started uh, basically the first game after the first game after the all-star break. So it was the stretch that started with new Orleans and it was Pelicans, Celtics, Nets, heat Celtics, Hornets, one reprieve, um, and then West Coast road trip, Kings, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, and then come home to face the Nuggets and the and the Timberwolves, and then go on the road to face Miami. I was like, my lord, that stretch is going to kill them. And they ended up uh, having a winning record. I think they went like thirteen and ten, or or fourteen and ten, or or thirteen and eleven, or so, something during those games. They did okay, and obviously the Josh Hart trade was in the midst of that. So sometimes your fears are not well founded, you know. Ultimately, is this process, you know, going through the schedule probably futile? Yes. But at the same time, like a tough early slate is a tough early slate. And I don't think there's any way to look at their opening slate as anything other than brutal. They play nine of their first 14 games on the road. They play 29 or excuse me. They play um, 23 of their first 39 games on the road. And the thing that really gets me and I, I was just going through it. In their first 36 games, so their 36th game comes um, at the Washington Wizards. In those first 36 games, eight times they have a back-to-back. So 16 of the first 36 are back-to-backs. The second halves of those eight back-to-backs, every single one of them involves travel. And of those eight second half of back-to-backs in the first 36 games. Again, an insane number. Seven of them are on the road. The only home game is actually, interestingly enough, their second back-to-back when it's it's a home-and-home home against Cleveland, where they play Cleveland in Cleveland on Halloween night, and then they come home to face Cleveland again the very next night at home. All the other, all the, the other seven um, second halves of, the, of back-to-backs out of those first eight in the first 36 games or on the road, and then they play five more back-to-backs over the course of the final, whatever it is, 46 games. Four of those involve travel, um, which is just like... Now, those five games don't come against necessarily a murderer's row. It's Washington, Utah, New Orleans, Chicago, and Brooklyn. But there's some tough ones in terms of the second halves of back-to-backs of those first eight. You got New Orleans, Cleveland, Boston... Charlotte, a little easier. Toronto, a little easier. Clippers, Indiana, you'll see. And Washington. Um, So, like, those first 36 games are really what I'm going to be looking for. You know, and then you look at some other things here. They have, like, so Brooklyn. Probably look at Brooklyn games as, like, favorable games for us this year. We're probably a little bit better team than Brooklyn. Well, one of their games at Brooklyn comes after a four-game West Coast road trip at Utah, at Phoenix, at the Clippers, at the Lakers. You look at Milwaukee. Well, okay, Milwaukee, the only team we didn't beat from the Eastern Conference last year. Um, 
already a tough team. You figure you you want to try to swipe one of the home games. They play consecutive home games against the Bucks two days before Christmas, and then on Christmas, like I'm not sure that I want two consecutive home games against the Bucks. I mean, I know you got to beat them at some point, but like that's a tough go unless you look at it the other way and say well it's tough to beat the same time to same team two times in a row but like i i look at that as t- as a difficult one especially as the bucks win the first game you know they're going to be geared up for christmas day so it's a really tough opening slate um am i going to sit here and be like i'll sign for 18 and 18 after the first 36 games i don't know if i would go that far um I, you know you'd like to be a couple games over 500 but it is it is hard. And then like, you know, the other part of it, which this is not anything to do with the schedule release, but just generally speaking, like how many teams do you look at on the schedule at this point and be like, well, that's an automatic win. You know, like uh, Washington is the closest thing you can get to that. I think in the league this year, um, you know, San Antonio, I mean, like, we don't know what Wemby's going to be and what he's going to look like. Shit, they beat us last year and they didn't even have women yet. Uh, you know, Houston, they added a lot of talent. Like, they're, I think they might still be the third or fourth worst team in the league, but they're still going to be, a, they're, they're, they might double their win total, you know? So it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough go of things if you're um, an NBA team trying to win games, which is pretty much every NBA team. Uh, the only other thing I'll, I'll say, two other things I'll say. One, the place where they make up for the road heavy slate again, 23 of their first 39 on the road is immediately after that they have a, it's like a basically a month long stretch, maybe a little bit less than a month where they play 12 of 14 games at home. And of those 14 games, uh, there are two back-to-backs and those back-to-backs are manageable. It's um, so I'll just go through it. So they play Orlando at home, starts off this kind of 12 and 14, 12 out of 14 at home. Then they got uh, Houston and Washington. The Washington game is the second half of the back-to-back. But again, that's like, let's just say for argument's sake that after 39 games, um, they are, I don't know, 20 and 19 or something. Right. And they're like, okay, we, you know, second half, we got to make a push. Like that's how you want to start off a home, a home stretch where you really have to make a push. Orlando Houston, Washington, Toronto. Um, again, hopefully that's a, that's a, a game that the Knicks will be favored in. I figure it will be. Then you go on the road, but you're going on the road to Brooklyn. So you could still sleep in your own bed. And then you come again, back home. You never really left. Then you got a couple tough ones, Denver at home, Miami at home. And then your second road trip, I should probably have mentioned this team is a team that may not be very good this year. Um, your only other game on the road in this in this stretch is at Charlotte, which is a very short uh, trip. And then you, again, though, even, even in this, there's a little bit of difficulty because immediately after you play Charlotte on the road, the very next night, you come back home to play Utah you know, Utah's a team. We'll, we'll see what they are this year. Obviously, the Knicks did, did well against them last year, but, you know, they're feisty. And then you finish off the homestand with Indiana, the Lakers, Memphis, Dallas, and then another one against Indiana. So you play Indiana twice on the same homestand. And then you go on the road, but your first two road games on that then little mini road trip are against Houston and Orlando, manageable. 
And then you got another stretch where you're playing a bunch of games at home over the next several weeks, some tougher opponents. But like, I guess the moral of the story is if the Knicks do start off and they are not blowing the doors off of um, the rest of the league over the first half of their schedule, I don't think it will be time to panic. I think the Knicks need to keep their head above water um, over the first half of the schedule. If they could get three, four, five games above 500, awesome. If they can't, and it's more like around 500, game or two over, don't think it's the end of the world, given how this slate is uh, is appearing. And then the only other thing, and I tweeted about this, which is like, this is to me is bizarre. Kind of almost like how they played Miami four times in the last like month or so of last season. They play Chicago three of their last six games, which is like, I don't know how I feel about that. Because on one hand, you figure the Knicks are going to be better than Chicago, and that's a good thing. On the other hand, Chicago is not a team that seems to be inclined, even in the slightest, to tank. Uh, they're, I mean, even if it's a trying to get the whatever the ninth seed, they're going to be trying to win games probably all year. Um, I forget their their draft picks. That you, I know they they owe one more pick left. They actually have a pick owed to. I think it's the Spurs. I for honest, I should know if that can, can convey the season. I'll, I'll look it up. But I, I, the point is, I think the odds that Chicago um, is going to be tanking, um, even if they, regardless of that pick, um, I think the odds are, are probably going to be pretty, pretty low, um, especially if they're in the race for the plane. And I think I wouldn't be surprised at all if they're in the race for the plane. So, yeah, here we go. Um, yeah, Chicago does own its own pick this year. So I guess, mm, I don't know. Maybe there could be some chicanery going on by that. I, I'd be surprised. I think that team's going to gonna try to win games throughout the whole year. And I think they'll be good enough to at least be in the play-in race that those games will matter to them. Okay. Uh, I don't think I could say anything else about the schedule. I'm not going to like go through like, you know, home opener and season opener and all that stuff. Like you guys could, you guys could see all that stuff, but I'm here to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. So uh, APJP is on the ones and twos right now. I'll let him put up any, any super chats, any regular questions you guys have. And uh, yeah, we'll sit and hang out for a bit. Kevin Danishevsky sets us off because of course he does. What's the target record of the first 10 games? First 10 games. Boston at home. I guess I could have gone like literally gone through the entire schedule and been like, we need to have this record after these 10 games and this record after these 10 games. I'm not going to do that. I will just say above 500 after 41 games, I, I think would be, I probably saw, I wouldn't sign for worse than that, but I, I would think about signing for that. Um, okay. Boston at home, Atlanta, New Orleans and Cleveland all on the road. That's tough. That's like, Boston at home, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Cleveland's on the road. Uh, on the road, like one and three is not inconceivable after the first four games, you know. Um, and then you come back home for Cleveland. You figure you take one of the Cleveland games at least. Then on the road to Milwaukee, that'll be fun. So again, already staring at two and four in the face. And then the last four games in the first uh, ten: Clippers home, San Antonio home. Charlotte home, Boston on the road. I mean, 
without blinking an eye, I'm signing for five and five. Signing for five. I'm not saying that should be their goal. Whatever. Their goal should be 10 and 0. But like I'm signing for five and five. And then just to finish it off, because that Boston, that trip to the Boston Garden starts off a five-game road trip at Atlanta, at Washington, at Charlotte, at Minnesota. Yeah, obviously you want to win the Washington game and the Charlotte game. You want to win at least one of those Atlanta games. You know, I, uh, look, I think seven, they should go at worst. Seven and seven over those first 14. It might be a, you, you'd love to be 15. At the, I mean, you want to talk about that? Sorry, 15. Um, you'd love to be eight and six. I'd, I'd sign me up for eight and six over those first 14. Show me where I could sign. Happily. Eight and six over the first 14. Thanks, Kev. Ghost Dog LT. Who's going to the home opener? Uh, I, I'm i just hoping my... Uh, what is today? Today's August 17th. So I got two months before the home opener. Um, I currently do not have a TV in, in what is going to be the new place that I watch games. I'm going to be, now be watching games from where I do podcasts from, which is, which is not here. This, this is my, uh, my temporary abode here for this week. Um, I just got to get a TV. I think for the first time I may splurge on a big TV though. So it'll feel like I'm at the home over. Uh, have fun at that one though. Ghost dog LT. That's awesome. Uh, Jessica, what's going on, Jess? Hope your summer's going well. Uh, so, is there hope the Knicks could play on my birthday, December 6th? Looking at um, the schedule, I wasn't sure. Yeah, there's absolutely... Uh, well, actually... Yeah. Yeah, of course. Actually, they will play on December 6th. I, let me rephrase that. They will play on December 6th if... They do not make the quarterfinals of the in-season tournament. According to the schedule, as I'm as I am reading it, which I think I'm reading it correctly, if they make the in-season tournament, where which eight teams out of uh 30 make it, um they will not play uh on your birthday, which would be unfortunate. But um yeah, Ian Bagley just had a good tweet. Uh, so I, I said before, as I was going through the schedule, 12 of the 13 back-to-backs include travel. The Per the NBA, the average number of back-to-backs with travel this season is nine per team. So the uh, Knicks play three more back-to-backs with travel than the average NBA team. Um, which is like, I would be, I'm, I don't know if I'm the sort of psychopath that I'll wait for somebody else to do this, but I'd be curious if there are any NBA teams out there that play more than 12 back-to-backs for travel. Anyway, so Jessica, I don't know if I should say like, I hope they play on your birthday because I kind of hope they do well in the in-season tournament. And then they, they advance to the quarters in which case they would not play on your birthday, but it's a nice, nice bonus. If they don't make it, at least they do play on your birthday. Thanks Jess. Exhibition continues. What's going on, man? Thank you for the uh, generous contribution. What do you think about the play um, oh, I think you're talking about the in-season tournament. Uh, I think the only realistic way to make it meaningful in-season is to make it the first tiebreaker or home court in your first playoff series. Love you guys. Well, thank you for the kind words. Appreciate it. Uh, again, appreciate the contribution. I look, um, there have been many people who have like talked about, I, let me just say this. 
any conceivable thing that we could sit here and theorize about how to make the tournament more meaningful, I'm sure has been discussed in the league. And considering that it doesn't really have any teeth in terms of like something that you're talking about, like actually having an impact on, on the playoffs. I have to think that there were reasons why they shot all those things down and maybe again, just thinking about this off the top of my head, maybe the reason is that they figure let's try it without any real consequences or anything other than like, you know, the fact that some team wins it and gets to say that they want it and the players get a bonus and let's see what the interest level is. And if it tanks and nobody's interested, then maybe we'll introduce something that has um, a consequence. I, I think that the most common thing that has been bandied about has been like some kind of a draft asset. The problem with that is theoretically, if you're giving a team an extra draft pick, it would take away the job of someone on the roster, making it less likely that guys will want to really play hard in the games because it, they, it's, I mean, it could be putting one of their jobs in, in jeopardy. I think that may be a bridge too far, but like you go down all these roads in terms of like having an impact on the playoffs. I, I, but here's the, here's the problem. If it's, that you, what you're talking about only comes into play if there is a tiebreaker for home court. And like, how often are there tiebreakers for, for, for home court? Like maybe, I don't know. Again, I have not, re- I have really have not spent a lot of time thinking about this just off the top of my head. I wonder if the winning the in season tournament could be worth like, a half a win in the final standings. So like, I guess that actually, that's literally what you're saying. If it was worth a half a win in the, that would be a tiebreaker, right? I don't know. Maybe you make it. I don't, here's one. Why wouldn't they just make the 83rd game count for the winner? Right. With that. Or is that essentially what you're saying too? I, I feel like I'm dancing around the same thing and it's essentially what you're getting at, which is like in, in the event of a tiebreaker, because really it, like when we're talking about make, make count for a half game or count for one win, it the only time any of this is going to matter is in a tiebreaker scenario. And it, it just, it feels, I don't know. It feels like that's not enough to really, 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 really get teams to care. Um, I don't know. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna. I'll spend some more time thinking about it, and I'll have a better answer by the time the season starts. But like, I, I do kind of want to see how it goes first, maybe without, even without any consequence. But yeah, I appreciate the the creativity here. Thanks. Exhibition continues. Ray Garcia, what's going on, Ray? How are you? Um, I noticed that you are you are no longer. Sam Garcia's dad. I'm three hours in on a five hour drive from DC to home. Thank God for KFS. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Uh, hope to have safe travels and uh, hope your summer has been good. We we also did a drive from, no, we actually, we did a road trip to Tennessee, but we 
drove to DC and then stayed in DC, but we didn't pass. I don't think we passed through DC on the way home, but it's a, it's a tough drive, but uh, thanks man. Hope everything's uh, good with you. Hope summers are going well. You're what they do there. Uh, thoughts on a Grimes breakout season, 50, 40, 80. Um, I don't think I've made much effort to hide how high I am on Quentin Grimes. Um, I think so here's the tough part for for the foreseeable future Quentin Grimes is going to share so one of two things is going to happen right Quentin Grimes is either going to remain in the starting lineup with three high usage guys in which he is unequivocally fourth on the totem pole in terms of who gets to take shots um, or he's going to get moved to the bench. Which I, for to be very clear, I do not think he's going to get moved to the bench. I think he, he's going to remain in the starting lineup. I think he should remain in the starting lineup. But like, you can make the argument that if he got moved to the bench, maybe there would be a, a few more shots for him because he wouldn't be playing with as many ball dominant players. You know, Josh Hart is not a guy who, who needs a, a ton of shots. Um, but I guess really that's the only difference. Hardenstein, you know, doesn't take a ton of shots. N- not that Mitchell Robinson does either. But like. I guess for like in terms of breakout season to me, breakout season, there does have to be a counting stat element to it where it's just like to me, breakout does include usually an increase in volume for me. I guess the breakout for Grimes would include. Yes, it would include the obviously the shooting split you mentioned. I would sign for that in a heartbeat. I think it's absolutely possible. Um, Degree of difficulty on shots, you know, more shots coming around screens, um, increasing the distance of his threes, um, you know, both of those things basically, and then you know, just kind of making another step as a as a playmaker. Um, as you know, he he got he was very good at like putting the ball on the floor obviously in driving last year and, and kind of making that dump off pass to, to Mitch or, or Hardenstein, but he kind of became, I don't want to say predictable, but it almost seemed like there were times where he had pre-decided I'm going to put the ball on the floor versus I'm going to take the shot. I'd love a little bit more variety in his off the dribble game, um, whether it was shooting or, you know, or, or, or driving to the rim. Um, so there's ways that he could get better for sure without having a, a, a ton more usage. And like, look at the end and I I'm save I'm burying the lead, which is like, if he takes a step up as a defender, I think the next level for him as a defender is at least in the all defense conversation. I'm not saying that he could make the all defense team this year, but I think that's the next step up for him. And if he is an all defense ish caliber player and he's a 40% shooter from three. Well, you know, now you're, now you're really talking about a guy who's, you know, is, is himself going to be in line for a $20 million um, a year payday when the time comes. That's, I think that those are the things that with the understanding that the volume is probably not going to be there. That's, those are the things that I'm looking for. Um, Update courtesy of New York basketball uh, on Twitter. Great Twitter account update on RJ Barrett, 10 points on four of six shooting at halftime of uh, Canada versus uh, Spain. So I think I might try to uh, 
We'll see how long this lasts. Make sure to watch some of the second half of that game. Uh, okay, next up. Kyle Corrath. What's going on, Kyle? Uh, who do your top six in the East look like? Assuming Dame is in Miami and Harden is out of Philly. It's an incredibly simple question, and yet it's a great question, and maybe it's just a great question because I honestly have not really thought about it yet. Um, this, uh, like, honestly, I haven't really thought about it since the end of the season. Uh, I thought about it like a little bit, but not really given it in-depth thought. Um, I think even if Harden gets traded, I think they will get I think one way or another, the Harden situation will resolve itself such that the Sixers will not go too long without getting something for Harden. Um, I don't see Harden ever playing another game for Philly unless they fire Daryl Morey, which I, I don't think they're going to do. Um, so with all those caveats, I think Philly still is going to be top six team in the East off the top of my head. I, I would give them home court advantage. I, they'd be one of my top four. I think Milwaukee is the favorite to be the number one seed. I think the planet for Sidus thing, if I was a Celtic fan, I'd be really freaking worried about that. I, I look, the Celtics are like, there's some, there's not cause for concern, but like they've just had a really stable ship. The last, really a year and a half. And now there's some more instability there. Um, I still think they're a top four seed. So I think the Knicks will be, and I think if Miami gets Dame, they're going to be, even with how they maybe treat the regular season, I, I think they will be a top four seed as well. So I guess those are my top four in the East, Miami, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee, in some order. I guess if you're asking me right now, I'd go Milwaukee, Miami with Dame, Boston, Philly. And then I think the Knicks will be competing for five and six with Cleveland. And I'm going to say the Hawks. I think the Hawks will be pretty good. And I, I'm not, there are some other teams that like, you could tell me three or four other teams end up sneaking in as the sixth team in the East. And I would not be shocked. Um, but yeah, let's go with fuck it. Let's go with Knicks five and Cavs six. How about that? Those are my top six. Hawks seventh. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kevin Danishevsky with another one. Why do you hate Quentin Grimes? <laughs> On a personal note, I'm reading Partnow's book, Midrange Theory. You guys should get him uh, on. Stricted. Yeah, I know Partnow's kind of like Strict's guy. He's, he's been on there a bunch of times. Um, I need to read the book. Uh, my The move this summer really kind of fucked with any potential summer plans I had uh, regarding like personal time. Uh, any personal time that I've had went to either packing up to move or moving or, or getting settled in after the move. So I haven't had much reading time, unfortunately, but I'll try to get to it. And if I do, we'll, we'll definitely get Seth on him. Uh, but that's awesome. That you got to read it. I do not hate Quentin Grimes. You know, I love Quentin Grimes. I was actually thinking of doing, you'll appreciate this, Kev. When uh, Simmons and, and uh, Rusilla did their expansion draft episode a few weeks ago, and they like Simmons like nonchalantly left Grimes as the guy exposed that the expansion team could draft, and then he got taken first in the expansion draft. I was actually thinking of doing a, an article for the newsletter on like the ranking of the uh, like protection rankings, like. Which Knicks would get protected? Which Nick would get protected first, second, third, fourth, and so on and so forth? Quentin Grimes would be in the, my top five in terms of Knicks that I would want to protect. I don't know if he'd be third or fourth, but he'd be in my top five without question. So I love Quentin Grimes. I'm very high on Quentin Grimes. Thanks, Kev. Matt Smith, what's going on, Matt? I like getting two Philly games after the trade deadline. Um, yeah, they play, they play. So the Philly, the again, it's just like weird schedule quirks. So they play Philly uh, on the first end of a back to back. They go to Philadelphia January 5th. Then they play Philly again February 22nd, which is right after the trade deadline. Um, and I actually think you miscounted it because, yeah, no, the, the trade deadline is, is February. Ninth, so they actually get three Philly games after the trade deadline. They get the one on February twenty second, and then they get a back to back both at home. Sorry, it's not a back to back; it's consecutive home games against Philly, March tenth, March twelfth. I mean, look, I don't. I think Philly's gonna be good. You know, I know it seems like a disaster right now, but I think Philly's gonna be fine. Um, at a glance, looks like a brutal schedule, but the strength of schedule metrics have us towards one of the easiest schedules in the league. So I'll take it. I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. I wonder if that's just a function of them. You know why that probably is? I have to think. Because 
they play their own division is um Boston what is it Boston Phil well no that even doesn't make any sense because Boston and Philly are both good even if they're you know the, the schedule makers are or like the advanced stats are lower on on Brooklyn and and um Toronto I I don't know why that is I mean whatever I'll take it uh because it looks pretty tough to me but uh that's that's good that's good to know Matt I'll say that that's good to know thanks man thanks for the contribution Brian Valderrama what's going on Brian in the upcoming season is KFS planning any road trips live from LA man if you're paying for it <laughs> no I'm kidding um, so what we are doing this year we're going to try to incorporate more local watch parties I don't think this is the year that there will be a KFS road trip um, I would guess it is coming in future years, hopefully soon. Um, okay. APJP has made me aware that people are asking in the chat how to watch um, the uh, Canada game. I just turned on. So this is talk about a fucking waste of money. I purchased because it was like $19 to purchase the what app is this courtside 1891 which is like the official app that you can watch international games purchased it weeks ago thinking that that was the only way i was going to be able to watch team usa games there hasn't been one team usa game on this app and i'm looking at it right now and uh sure enough this uh canada game is not on this app either so i don't know what this app is good for probably nothing i probably just threw 20 dollars down the toilet um i think it's i don't know how to how to watch the the Canada game. I was all the games thus far have been on the Fox family of networks. Uh like FS1. Um I'm not sure. I I would do a Google search, but I'm I'm doing this. So maybe if APJP, if you want to get on that and let me know, I'll I'll announce it to everybody. Sorry. Uh Chance Little, what's going on, Chance? I'm behind, but what about some sort of salary cap relief for the in-season tournament tournament? That's an interesting one. Um so yeah it's it's interesting right because i was like okay well salary cap relief does that mean you get like more like if you're in the luxury tax that like you get a five dollar or sorry five dollar five million dollar or ten million dollar additional luxury tax cushion or a five million dollar or ten million dollar additional um you know, second apron cushion. I don't, I don't know, like, or to go, I don't know that other teams would be in, in favor of that because that would really maybe disrupt competitive balance to a, to a significant degree, which I don't think teams want to do. So then you're like, okay, well, what if they, what if, you know, a team just like got another $6 million to spend on their own team or something. But then you look at it and it's like, oh, wait a minute. They're already doing that because the players on the winning team get however many. Now, I don't know. I forget how much the players on the winning team are actually getting. I, I don't. Is it a half a million a pop? Maybe it is a half a million. So like in essence, if that's if that's true, then that's like another six and a half million dollars right there. So again, it's like. 
it's it's very apparent to me at least that they did not want this tournament. Like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're trying to make it matter. They're trying to tell people this matters, care about this thing, get extra, get excited for this thing, watch these games live, get really into it. And then also at the same time, oh, but it's not really going to impact like any anything in terms of like really disrupting competitive balance. I, I, what if they, I I don't know. (laughs) What if they awarded the winner not only an extra draft pick, like a pick at the top of the second round, but an additional roster spot for the following season. That's that's interesting to me. Um, so Justin APJP is telling me the game is supposed to be on courtside eighteen ninety one. Am I just an idiot? And I just don't don't answer that. All games today. Just to prove you guys that I am not lying, RJ still is Canadian, right? Here, I'm going to show you. Look, Bahamas, Argentina, that's over. Chile, Colombia, live. Watch. That's it. That's the only thing that's on this stupid app. So this app needs to get its shit together. I don't know. Maybe someone in, if someone in the chat knows how to watch it, please say. And I, but in the meantime, I have to plead ignorance. Um, as APJP uh, gets gets the next comment up. I'm trying to think what else is what else is going on. Uh, I'm surprised there's no uh, well, no Embiid questions or comments or anything today. I feel like that's been a hot topic. Again, not that I spend a ton of time on on the app formerly known as Twitter these days, but uh, I feel like that's a that's a hot topic. I'm curious. Maybe people could could type in the chat. You guys want if if this Philly thing keeps going south and it turns into uh, the dumpster fire that we all hope it will irrespective of, you know, Embiid stuff. Uh, Cause what's better than just a Philly team being atrocious. Uh, I don't know. Do people want Embiid? You guys know where I stand on. I think Joel Embiid's awesome, but that's just me. Um, okay. Corey Becker Warren. As I get a call from a telemarketer uh, over under on Mitchell Robinson hitting 50% from the stripe. Are you going to make me pull up the old, the old basketball reference here. Um, I'm going to guess that he has never hit 50% from the charity stripe before, but I imagine he's probably gotten over 40%, right? Let's see. Free throw percent. Oh my God. I stand corrected. He hit over 50% of his free throws his first two years in the league. You know what? That's a bad job by me because I remember he actually wasn't terrible from the free throw line early on. He's gotten progressively worse. His last three seasons at the line, um, 48.4% last season, 48.6% the season before that, 49.1% the season before that. So I think Mitchell Robinson's biggest problem, I think he's he kind of has the Shaq mentality, which is like, I'll hit him when, when they count. I just don't think he... I don't know that he concentrates as much on those shots as he maybe could. And I don't know if I see Mitchell Robinson changing in that respect. So if he does get to 50%, I would imagine he will just barely be above 50%. But um, I'm, I'm excited to see Mitchell Robinson this year. I, I you know, the Miami series wasn't his best. Um, but I also think 
I'll just speak for myself. I think I was probably a little hard on him after that series and jumped to a few too many, uh, not conclusions, but like I, I immediately after the playoffs, I guess maybe after watching obviously Jokic, but even Bam and like what some of the other teams, the, the, the flexibility they, they had at the center position. I was, I think I was a little bit too much on the train of like, we got to get a center who can do anything offensively and still, still defend. I, I backed off that a little bit. I think there's different ways they could go about it, but I'm excited for Mitch this year. I think Mitch is going to have a good year because he was good last, last year. So no reason he shouldn't be good again. Okay. Let's get a few more and then um, I'll probably get out of here at about four fifty. Uh, if, unless we don't have any more. Oh, no, here we go. Kevin Danishevsky with another one. Do you think there is a deal where... Oh, my God. It's Kevin fake trade time. Hold on to your butts. <laughs> Do you think there's a deal where we only have to give up two of Grimes, RJ, quickly for Embiid? Also, I wonder if we could swing a three-team deal to get OG in that situation. Well... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so I've said this in different... I've written this for sure. I don't know if I've said it. I think the only way the Knicks end up with... I'm not, for, I'm not even going to go into specifics, but a player of Embiid's caliber, which really, who else is coming on the trade block anytime soon other than Embiid? And who knows if he even actually ever gets on the trading block. Maybe he doesn't. But like the only way they're ever going to end up with an Embiid-type player or Embiid and then a player of OG Anunoby's caliber, or at the very least, what a player who would is going to probably cost as much via trade as it has been uh, reported that Toronto wants for OG Anunoby. The only way they're going to end up with two of those players is if they, A, are willing to trade Julius Randle, and B, there is some team out there that really values Julius Randle and is treats him as a genuine asset. And yeah, that's the only way because they just don't have enough. They just don't have enough stuff to get, in, again, an Embiid and then like an OG Ananobi type player uh, unless that happens. So that, I hope that answers that part of that question. In terms of keeping one of Grimes, RJ quick for Embiid, they're, they're not, there's just no way for them to keep RJ in that sort of a trade because they need the salary, right? They need the salary. If we assume that Embiid is going to, is not coming on the market before next off season, which I'm assuming, um, you know, what are the salaries that they're going to be? I mean, yeah, they could put together different salaries, put together, you put, you throw in hard, you can put in DiVincenzo, you put in Mitchell Robinson, mean, you will put in Mitchell Robinson. I'm just, you know, looking at how this is probably going to go. You know, listen, maybe I shouldn't even say that. Who knows? Maybe RJ comes out and has by far the best season of his career and Julius Randle has a bad season and we're like, Julius Randle's the salary that they send out for Embiid. I don't know. I don't know because I think the, the point is that for Philly, that trade is not going to be about Julius Randle or RJ Barrett or even to like a large extent, Emmanuel Quickly or Quentin Grimes. It's going to be about the draft picks and they're going to want the full boat. And I think the Knicks will give them the full boat. And I think the only way things go South is if there was another team with a better cadre of draft assets 
that is willing to a get in those discussions if and when they happen and b is willing to put all of their draft assets on the table um and yes i'm talking about brooklyn brooklyn has the most picks to trade of anyone the most quality picks let me be very clear about that the most quality picks few distant suns picks and that distant mavs pick i think of any team in the league other than well i mean you could honestly make a case because like I don't really want to get into this right now, but like everybody always brings up the Thunder and all their picks. Take five minutes today if you're bored and look at the picks that the Thunder actually have coming to them. They have a million and one picks coming to them. Ask yourself how many of those picks are premium picks. Picks which are completely unprotected, A, and B, are from a team that is likely to be bad in the year that it could be unprotected. And you're going to come away finding like, huh, that's maybe not as great a deal as I thought, you know? Um, whereas to me, those bro- the picks that Brooklyn has, those future Suns picks, and and yes, that Dallas pick, you know, um, I think those have real value. I think they're I think they're gonna be the wild card in any star trade discussion. So really, Kevin, your the answer to your question comes down to who else gets in the running. Do I think it's possible that they could get Embiid and keep one of those three? Absolutely. My guess is that it would be either Grimes or or quickly. And even further than that, my guess is that it would be Grimes. Um, because if you're giving up RJ and quickly and Mitch and all of the picks, unless somebody else is gung-ho for Embiid and gets in the running, you'd think that would be enough. If, 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 if he demands a trade and they acquiesce his trade demand. A lot of, a lot of ifs, ands, or buts. A lot of hurdles to still get through, which is why this whole Embiid discussion is premature, even though I've just done two podcasts uh, largely about it, one of which will hit your hit your airwaves next week. Thanks, Kev. That was good. And then uh, you're with another one. Thoughts on RJ, IQ, and protected picks to Cleveland, spite it to, to Brooklyn and Mikal Bridges to the Knicks. So let's just start with... We're getting Mikal Bridges for RJ Emmanuel quickly and protected picks. That's a yes from me. Brooklyn is trading Mikal Bridges for Donovan Mitchell. Do they do that? I think you just broke my brain. Um, man, that's an interesting one. I mean, they. So here's where here's my hang up. Not a hang up, but here's what, what I can't get over. Mikel Bridges is not extending on his current contract. He makes too little money, even with the hundred and forty percent. He's not extending. Mikel Bridges is going to get to unrestricted free agency. It's three years from now, but he's getting to unrestricted free agency. Donovan Mitchell can get to unrestricted free agency two years from now. But 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 here's the important part: he can extend, and I bet you if he gets traded to somewhere he wants to go, he will extend for the full five year max boat. Um, so they may actually be covering their own asses in that scenario by getting, because I think, I don't think Donovan Mitchell cares about play, playing for the Knicks. I think he just wants to come back to New York. I felt that way for a while now. So maybe that that's a better deal for them. And then the big question comes out to Cleveland. So they're, they're giving up, they're getting for Donovan Mitchell quickly, RJ and protected picks. Oh man. <laughs> I have to think someone I have to think some team out there who feels confident that 
they could re-sign Mitchell is going to give up more than that. And I know everybody's going to hate on me because like, why do you hate RJ Barrett and Manuel quickly? I just, it's not a Mitchell, you know, he's really good. Uh, that would be the part of that trade that I would look at and be like, I don't know if Cleveland, I don't know if, I don't know if they would be comfortable trading a guy away with a guy who almost made all NBA last season in Laurie Markinen and three unprotected picks and two unprotected swaps and getting no unprotected picks back from him. No one protect the swaps back for him and getting like two, two really, 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 really nice young players. I've said, I will say it again. I've said before, I'll say it again. I think both quickly and RJ have all star upside. I still believe that I really do on the right team, right situation. That's tough for Cleveland, the stomach. That's tough, but we'll see. I, I don't think it's crazy. I'll say that. I don't think it's crazy. Thanks here. That was really good. Uh, Alex, what's going on, Alex? Any advice for a 19-year-old Grimes fanatic who is starting a teaching internship in the second grade? My God. Invest in Advil. In this stuff or any any alcoholic beverage of choice. Oh, I guess she's 19, so probably not a good idea. Uh, parental supervision, right? No, nah, teaching's, teaching's hard, man. Teaching's really hard. It, uh, if you do it the right way, if you care about it, if you're in it for the right reasons, if you're not just in it for summers off and health insurance and the whole thing, it is. It's like it's a very unique brand of stress because um, it's like you're stressed because you want to do right by the kids. You want to do right by your students. Um, but uh you know, just take it one. Here's my advice. Don't take anything personally. If a kid says something to you, I mean, it's second grade, so you probably don't have to worry about this, but like, don't take anything personally. Don't take anything a colleague does or an administrative person does. Don't take it personally. It's a stress. It is a stress filled profession uh, filled with people who are trying to do their best with without proper means. So it's not conducive to success. Um, a lot. So yeah, I, I wish I had something more to say. Um, but your daughter's gonna be great at it, I'm sure. She's amazing from what from everything you've said and from the one time I got to meet her. So uh yeah, you know, best of luck and and try to learn something new every day. There's my advice. Thanks, Alex. Thanks everybody. Uh appreciate you coming and hanging out for uh an hour on a Thursday afternoon. Um, don't forget if you dig the, if you dig the show, uh, leave us a review or a rating. If you're listening on your, your favorite, uh, streaming or your favorite app for how you listen to, I, I, I literally can't talk. Uh, however you listen to podcasts, give us a nice review and a rating. Uh, obviously if you're watching on the KFS YouTube channel, subscribe if you're not already subscribed. And, uh, yeah, we got more good stuff coming your way. We got a banger of a pod coming next week that I recorded earlier today. I'm not going to say who it's with, but it is from a very, 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 very long time, uh, national media person who has, uh, always had many opinions on the Knicks and, uh, it was a good combo. I'll say that. So look out for that. And, um, yeah, me, Oh, me and Jeremy back recording this weekend. So that episode will drop on Monday. So a few good things coming your way. All right. Talk to everybody soon. Peace out.
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.